Hello, good people. Welcome back to Books and Bubbles. Yay! Hey, it's our March episode. We are so excited to be here. Welcome to this moment of self-care, soul care, as we come together, sip some good bubbly, review a good book, and just allow you to be exposed to authors across the diaspora. This month is Women's History Month, and we're going international people, international. I am Brittany. And I am Brianna. Welcome back to Books and Bubbles. We are so excited for you to be here with us today. Books and Bubbles is an amazing opportunity for us to highlight black and brown authors across the world. Today, we will be reviewing Kawini. Yes, Candace Cartney Williams, a Jamaican-British author coming out of London, England. Yes, yes. And our bubble for today is by Black Girl Magic. We're back with them. Last month we had a rosé. This month we have a sparkling brute. And you all know what time it is. It's bubbly time. Bubbles, 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 bubbles. All right. I hope you have popped open your glass of bubbly for this episode. We are so excited to dive in. We hope that everyone's read, digested, and had this opportunity for us to kind of take this book in. So, Queenie. Before we get to Queenie, we got to spend a little bit of time with the McBride sister. So, this is a sparkling wine. It's crisp. Um, there's notes of apple, pear, and citrus. It's light-bodied. It's 13%. So, you know, for some of you, that's lightweight. For some of us, if you use a 5 to 6% wine, this might be a little kick in the mouth. So get ready for that. Also, before we jump into Queenie, our special guest is back. Hello, niece. Hey. Kenny's in the building. So if you hear any little gurgles, any, uh, that's our special guest. She's smiling me. So cute. So cute. So, yes, we definitely need to be on our sips because we are auntie and mommy and capes are on. Shout out to all the moms and double shout outs to the working moms. It never stops. The game yes. doesn't end. So the McBride sisters say our delicious black girl magic sparkling brute showcases the best California has to offer. We selected the finest blends of grapes and harvested them early to maximize flavors of crisp green apple, juicy pear, melon, and citrus zest. Zest. The secondary fermentation creates refined bubbles as well as a light floral note. The result is a fresh, elegant, and sophisticated wine just like you. Black owned and woman owned. Come on, McBride sister. Yeah, yeah. It is good, I will say. So we've started, obviously. Um, It's good. It's not too bitter. Yeah, Is that the word I want to use? Not too bitter. Definitely not too dry. I cannot Mm -hmm. stand a dry. So it's a good little balance. It is, I will say. I was kind of, you know, I like wine, obviously, but I want to say I'm like a huge connoisseur, so I'm into like the sweet, girly wines. And this definitely... 
Yeah. The sparkling brew isn't bad. It's a little smoother than the rosé and probably because it's not it is. as dry. Rosé tends to be a little drier, which makes it feel a little stronger and heavier. But this truly is light, even though the alcohol content of both are the same. It's a little more subtle. So for Come those on 13%. to slide it in there, it's in there. And just as a reminder, when we review books, we do spoil plots. However, if you haven't finished and you still want to kick it with us, kick up your shoes. Kick off your shoes. Yeah, escape. Come I'm on. sorry. I tore that Come up. On. I tore that up. Mm-hmm. Kick off your shoes and relax your feet and party on down to the bubbly. Kick off your shoes and relax your feet. Just kicking. Yes, yes, yes. They'll be on Versus soon. So we're, we're warming up. <laughs> we're warming up for the May show. <laughs> escape oh. versus SWB. So we need to get into Queenie. Let's get so into Queenie. Queenie is, I liked Queenie. It starts <sighs> off okay. and, and Candace is ready. We don't have to like. <laughs> so we talked about um, real men knit. Yeah, please go back and listen to the episode if you haven't. Yes, support support. Kawana slid us in. Yeah, slow. Now we was slow. Kawana had us. She like, she was knitting. You know, we on the ride, the roller coaster. And you're like, all right, okay, come on, come on. So Kawana had us like really trucking yeah. along. Now Candace was all in, like page one. I'm like, oh. So we start off. She's at the hospital. It, but it's like a gynecologist. So not extremely educated on the healthcare system in London. I know it's quite different right. than the US. So typical issues like what Queenie was experiencing. I mean, it could be ER warranted, but it could just be like regular gyno. So I'm not a hundred percent hundred percent sure where she's at, but she's somewhere. Yeah. And there's a gynecologist a present. Give me a lot of clinic vibes. Clinic vibes, clan parenthood, vibes. something yeah. like that. But she's there, and as the reader, we're not 100% sure what's going on. Yeah, I kept having to go back, like, did I miss a page? Yes. I kept feeling like I was tripping. So, initially, I'm thinking there's a tampon stuck in her. This this is my initial thought. <laughs> of course. Why? I don't know. Of course, medical professional. Yeah. You I'm like, a there's a tampon stuck. <laughs> Only because I know people that it's happened to, and they had to go get it pulled out. But <laughs> that But it's not that. And we find out that Queenie is, has had an unknown miscarriage. She has an IUD in, intrauterine device, and she has gotten pregnant through this IUD. They call it something else, but I presume it's an IUD. No, they say, yeah, they say okay. IUD. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're shocked. We're like, what is happening? Yeah. Queenie's so let's shock. talk about Queenie. So Queenie <sighs> is, they reference she's a size 16. Reference a lot to her body. So she's, you Very know, thick. Yeah. Big butt. There's a lot of reference to her butt. Her breast. Her breast. Um, she's a 25-year-old. According to the, the, we'll just go synopsis. Queenie Jenkins, a 25-year-old Jamaican-British woman living in London, works at a national newspaper where she's constantly forced to compare herself to her white middle-class peers. Messy breakup from her long-term white boyfriend. She began seeking comfort in all the wrong places. And so we follow this very tumultuous journey that's so self-sabotaging. Yeah. So, yeah, we start off in Queenie's a lot. She's a lot. And when we start the book, we don't know how much she's going to be. But we we quickly find out. Pretty much. And she's like in this middle of this breakup. Yeah. Because we got the feeling, at least initially, that her and Tom are together. Yeah. So she's like texting him. And that's something Candace does throughout the book. A lot of our exposure to her is through flashbacks. Yes. So there's a lot of like 
we're not sure what's going on. And then she has this flashbacks. Yeah. And then we kind of put things together. Because she's literally texting this man like they go together. And yeah. he's just not answering. We're like, well, where's your man? And no, yeah. y'all are in this breakup. And he is at his parents' house. Exactly. And you're supposed to be clearing out the apartment. So Queenie's cute. The picture on the book shows these like this girl with these braids. So this is what my vision is for Queenie throughout the whole book, that she has these plaits in, has some piercings. She's like lighter skin. I don't know that she's light skin, maybe like a brown she's skin caramel. Brown. Yeah. Because the mom is really light. And yeah, the mom's dark, very light. So I'm getting like a definitely like a, a brown. So I came like brown skin girl, kind of like cute, but doesn't do too much. Mm-hmm. So these are like these naturally are the queenie pretty. vibes. Yeah, naturally pretty doesn't overdo it. Similar to our last character in our mm-hmm. in the other book, very natural, pretty. But I think Queenie plays a little bit more on her beauty than our real men knit girl does. I I don't know who she. I don't even know that she knew that she was cute. She was like shocked when people acknowledged her. But Queenie's, Queenie's ready. Self esteem. Yeah. No, she's ready in a sexual way. <laughs> her self esteem was horrible. Okay, Queenie is all I struggled. But she has trauma. She has trauma. She Queenie did. has trauma. I had to get to the trauma because I almost quit Queenie at like page one hundred because it is hard to read about somebody so self-damaging. I was just like, dear God, you're horrible to yourself. So we'll get into those. But let's just, we're going to go down and talk about the characters and then we'll get into some of the themes of the book. So we've kind of explained Queenie. She's obviously our main character. The book is named after her. Um, And she's who we follow along throughout the whole book. So she has a group of friends. Um, In the group text, she refers to them as the Corgis. But we're going to talk about her family first. So... We're introduced to her, her mom, the, the auntie, aunt, the cousin, cousin grandma, the grandpa. There's some talk about her father, but never was he. And there's allusions to the stepfather. We yeah. don't really meet him. The, exactly. The, the father figures are all referenced, but not actually seen. So I guess we can talk about grandma first. I think she's talked about the most. Mm-hmm. So grandma's Jamaican woman, kind of like typical grandma. Queenie goes and stays with her um, at one point throughout the book. And so she's very like one of those things where you go home and visit your mom. Can't sleep in. You know, they reference her like earning her keep by cleaning. I was like, getting okay, up. so grandma. You don't need an yeah. alarm. You're going to get up and clean this. Her, the daddy, the granddaddy's talking about the water bill, token grandparent. Yeah. And you can see the clash of cultures in the sense of like Jamaican born coming over to the country versus being cultured and assimilated into British culture. And so there's definitely a disconnect in some ways between like old world Jamaica and then a Jamaican British woman um, being two different things, which is interesting. But I like the grandma. The grandma's like very grandma. supportive of Queenie. Old school, but exactly got her together. And I think she realizes that there's a lot of issues between Queenie and her mother. And I think she tries to allow them their space, but she she does try to keep the mend in between the family. So she's the glue, yeah. like most grandmas. And let's talk about mum, as they say. Um, since it is British, they use the term mum. Sylvie. Uh, she, because at first we're just so like in a beef. A yeah, at first we're kind of like in a beef. Like, like, what Lord is going Jesus on with this mama? mama? And I'm like, what did the mama go through as a child that they didn't and talk that's about? Why that I'm she confused. was like accepting of this horrible relationship. relationship. I was like, okay, the granddad and grandma seem kind of together. The granddaddy is like old school as far yeah. as like, I'm going to be in this back room and complain the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. 
He that only want to watch the news. Talking about you need to see what's going on in the world. I don't want to watch fiction. <laughs> like this token grumpy granddaddy. But I was like, why was you so ready to be beat down? Thank you. So these norms of like creating this perfect family ideal show with the mom and maybe too, even her grandma kind of does that. Because when the grandma discloses, like, you're not the only one that I've been through. And she talked about oh, this yeah. man that she really loved. Oh, yeah. I was, I was like, like, oh, oh. I love this man. And he would listen to me. And the fact that she said, listen to me, let me know that the grandfather does not do that. While he cares for the grandma, mm-hmm. that sense of like companionship, that's like the first thing. She's like, he would listen to me. He loved her as if she were his own. Yeah. I was like, oh, he loved you for real. He yeah. done raised this, saved this money, got her this gold V. Exactly. But she couldn't tell nobody because it was like this idea. She's like, I already came home pregnant. I couldn't mm-hmm. bring anybody else in. Like, So these ideas of like these perfect institutions of family show up, which are so problematic. Yeah, so the mom, so prior to the mom's relationship with Queenie's stepfather, her and Queenie were very close. Mm-hmm. Queenie said they used to match. They were obsessed with each other. They wouldn't go anywhere without each other. The mom gets with this stepfather character, and he just ends up being very abusive. He makes, he says, physically abusive to the mother, mentally abusive to Queenie, calls her, I forget what the term is that he called her, but basically white on the inside, black on the outside, and would make fun of the way that she spoke to the point where Queenie said that she would just stop talking mm-hmm. around him. And it's really not until later, you know that Queenie doesn't like her mom. There's a lot of reference to their bad relationship. And even when her friends talk about the mother, Queenie won't ever want to go into detail about anything. But I think throughout the book, you have an understanding that the friends know that there's an issue. And probably know the reason. But it's not until late in the book where you find out a lot of the traumas that yeah. she went through. Real Tyler Perry laid out. Mm. Yeah. Me and mama don't get along. We don't know why. They think I'm being ridiculous. Yeah. And then you find out like, oh, the mama. <laughs> yeah. So I think the super big issue that you don't find out until Queenie goes to therapy is that the mom like left her in this apartment Absolutely at age insane. 11. And she was like, it was supposed to be for me and my mom, but eventually it's just for me because the mom went back with the dad. And then he was like, yeah, I don't want y'all in my face no more, so I'm going to put you in this apartment. I made you sell your house. Then I took the money from it. It was a mess. (sighs) Then Queenie and her dad was You understand why the issue, why she has these issues with her mom. Because her dad kind of found out he was married when he got Mm -hmm. with Queenie's mom. Then he left her for the younger woman. They think he back in Jamaica. Nobody knows Nobody 100%. knows. Nobody knows. It's way too much. I was like, your trauma is so, next yeah. level. So you you kind of hate the mom with Queenie, and then when you find out what the mom's been through, you kind of feel sorry for her. Yeah. The mom's very soft-spoken. And she's like a shell of herself. Yeah. Ugh. And it's probably for all she went through with the stepdad. Pretty much. And she's like rebuilding herself. <laughs> exactly. She lives in like a hostile, which... But she was like, it's her community. Yeah, She's like, like, no, oh, I'm finding myself exactly. in my safe space. She was like, oh, I guess this. Yeah. So, you know, the mom. Yeah. And they try to build this relationship throughout the book. And I think Candace does a good job of not making it like this perfect thing at the end. But that Queenie's yeah. open to building, building and, and understanding. Exactly. And I think through therapy, Queenie has a better understanding of what her mom's gone through. And almost feels bad about the way she's treated her throughout the years. Let's get into Aunt Maggie. Because she had me rolling. Yes. Maggie loves the Lord. (laughs) Baby, at the beginning when she took her to that doctor's appointment. (laughs) Oh, I need to find this direct quote. Uh, Maggie said, you could cut a church with me, IUD and all, baby. She was too done. I said, something wrong with Maggie. Maggie's so religious. Maggie loves the Lord and her daughter seemed like she might be a little fast. 
Thank and you. Not the daughters. But it's always the like church people. Church. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> it's always the church people with the fast kids. <laughs> Thank you. I was like too ready because she wanted to do this preaching at the doctor's office, talk to the white lady in the lobby. Yeah, wanted to talk about that, but couldn't handle stuff like conversations on cervix. I say, Maggie, is this what set you back? Well, Quitty like mentioned the word cervix. She shut down. Yeah, but Maggie comes through a couple times. She in the does. Book where... She's still very caring, but she's yeah. had an overdone auntie because after dining with somebody, she made me pray over the snacks. Tell me what I can't. Even, she snacks the chips <laughs> at my hand. <laughs> if I'm afraid over my snacks, not just my meal, oh, I was rolling. I say yes, Diana. I say come on, family. Yeah, but. You know, Maggie tries to fill the void. Mm-hmm. I think everybody in the family knows Queenie isn't in the best place with her mom. So Aunt Maggie tries to come through. Aunt Maggie has a daughter who is like high school age. Yeah, like 15, 16. Yeah. So there's a lot of mention of her. She's like a typical teenager. Um, but there is a touching moment with her and Queenie at the end. And Queenie's so like not with it. It's kind of weird a little bit. Like you would think Queenie was like 40 sometimes the way she has like no idea what Diana's talking about in regards to social media terms that are being used. It's just like, why don't you know at all, even a little bit? So that like was like, okay, Queenie, you, you, you real interesting. I don't know. It's hard to keep up with these young kids though, because now I'm not in 25. That's what I'm saying. But I'm though. not that old. And it, it's a lot of stuff that goes it, on in the world. But Queenie was sometimes like, oh, so Queenie, you are that, you that one, you that one. So the family's interesting. But there is a lot of love there. And we see that come together at the end with these family dynamics. Um, But there definitely is some things. And we know that Queenie yearns for like a very traditional Western idea of family. And she mentions that to Tom. And we'll get back into family ideals. But let's go into this friend circle. The corgis. Okay, so I didn't know this was a dog. And... Brianna had to but let me know this was a dog. Who knows what a corgi is? The corgis are the dogs with the big butts. What is and a big booty so dog? There's so many Instagram videos. There's like Instagram groups and Facebook videos of these dogs walking up and down stairs. They're so cute. Okay. I feel like They're I need like to look a little, up corgi. You do. They're like <sighs> a little cute, like, I'll say maybe medium-sized dog. I don't know that they're a small breed dog. But they're not big. They're like short. Oh, this dog? Okay, cute. this is not cute. They are cute. I guess. They're not super cute, but they're cute. Oh, they do walk a little thick, though. Thank you. They real thick. Yeah, it makes sense. Q-O-T Genesis thick. Okay. <laughs> Pembroke Welsh Corgis are famous as the preferred breed of Queen Elizabeth II, who owned more than 30 royal so corgis during her reign. It's like a really yeah, it's real British. It's British. extra British. All right. But the corgis consist of, first, let's talk about, well, I guess we'll start with Cassandra. Oh, Cassandra. Hmm. Yeah, Cassandra. So Cassandra is Jewish. She considers herself a minority, which is interesting. Um, I got more European Jewish woman for her, but that's fine. So, yeah, so Cassandra, she kind of approaches her like in class, like we both minorities. We need to be friends. Exactly. Cassandra's got a little money. She lets Queenie borrow a lot of money to the point where she just kind of transfer Queenie's money, like Queenie some money. And it's like, like, I got oh, a tab. Yeah. yeah. Queenie was a little raggedy for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I wanted to like dislike Cassandra more, but since she was her cash cow a little bit, I was like, Queenie, why you got to be the broke black friend? Yeah. I hated and that. Cassandra was like, I know you don't have no money. I just sent it this morning. She's like, yeah, I'm going to pay you back. Yeah. I was like, you raggedy. Not. 
I was like, you give me real insecure vibes when... Spoiler alert, she never gets paid back, at least in the book. <laughs> and that's what confused me, because she had got that money at the end, and she's like, I can't pay you yet. And I was like, didn't your mama just write you more money you ever seen? I didn't understand why you still could afford to pay her. But yeah, Cassandra. Okay. Yeah, Cassandra, they call she's her judgmental. Nice she psychoanalyzes everybody. Mm-hmm. She's okay. I don't hate Cassandra. I think... She's a good I friend in her with own Cassandra way. Until the whole guy situation, and then the yeah. fact that she wanted like make her the slut, and then still go stay with this man. I was like, you're obsessed with trying to have this whole marriage, and so I guess we can touch on it a little bit. We haven't talked about the guys in the book yet, but I think that was a big part of Cassandra's story. Yeah. So Cassandra is, is with- dating. Dating guy. This guy named Guy. And we like never pulled that together. Exactly. So Queenie's met this guy randomly somewhere. I guess at we'll a party. At a party. With the perfect, with the couple's goals, couples who calls themselves a couple goals, couple, which is super ridiculous, even though they was low key fighting about something. And she was like, I can't do this no more. And like walked out the party. Yeah. So long story short, Queenie starts sleeping with this guy. And the Welsh guy. Named Guy. And. He comes over late one night, drunk in a drunken stupor, tries to sleep with her again. Queenie refuses, but lets him spend the night. And her and Cassandra get up and go for brunch, or supposed to go for brunch the next day. They come back. And during that time, Cassandra's like, well, I have to go home. You know, my guy went out for breakfast or or went out last night with friends. And and I said I was going to make him breakfast. Girl. Only for her to come over and... Guy, her guy is in Queenie's house and she's like, so at first we don't know. We don't realize. We think that they're just meeting because Queenie mm-hmm. introduces them. She's like, this is Guy. Yes. <laughs> Only for that to be Cassandra's man. It just was too much. And then my back and backtracking before we get to this moment, even the sex between Queenie and Guy, it's like barely consensual for me. Because the way he, like, beats her up when she goes to, like, the clinic, the gyno, they're like, have you been abused? They give her, like, pamphlets. She has tearing. He convinces her to have sex in all these random places. To the point where they refuse to do a vaginal exam because they thought it would be you're like, you're gonna be for her. Like, there's anal tearing. It's just, like, on this level, I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Like, I just knew Queenie had been molested and raped the way she was letting these men just do it to her any type of way. She's not yeah. even aroused. There's so much tearing. She doesn't like it. There's no physical pleasure for her. I'm just like, what is going on? Queenie, get it together. Guy is a mess. So I guess we'll talk about Guy in more detail. But and Guy was- is a hot mess. But Queenie has like no ability yeah. to say no. I was like, what is wrong with you, chick? And that was Cassandra's main like storyline, I guess. The whole, that was her man. So she, of course, typical issue. <sighs> she ends up taking it out on Queenie. I can't, Doesn't I can't do the angry, the I can't do the angry homegirl instead yeah. of taking that on a man. Like, don't shoot the message. Doesn't leave him, actually ends up moving in with him in a different town. Um, and then cheated move away. on multiple times. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm, he cheated duck. on again and then comes back at the end of the book and was like, doesn't really apologize, kind of does, but She's it was like, kind of oh, like, yeah, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. And they, please believe Darcy <laughs> and um, Cheska was shading the mess out of her. So that's exactly. Cassandra. <sighs> So Darcy, the co-worker, slash bestie, yeah. tries to solve every problem. We don't know if this is an issue. Dating an older man who's like 15 years older. Is it Simon? 
And he has like his own insecurities about being older and she's like staying in a relationship. So to me, that's a whole situation that's not really addressed. But Darcy's relationship wasn't really because it's Queenie who's like, yeah, he sounded look a little older. Like he looked like the uncle, not the older brother of your daddy, but the youngest brother of your daddy. And he's insecure about it. And that's what I can't deal with. Like, you need to be confident if you're going to be older than me. I cannot nurse your 50-year-old emotions. We're not going to do that. Yeah, so Darcy also, I guess, is one of those, like, stay between the lines, doesn't want to get in trouble. She references a lot where Queenie used to come up to her desk at work and, like, talk too much. And she was like... You're going to get fired. And Queenie would like sneak away and do random things. Ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to go to the <laughs> doctor's like, office at lunch. Girl, you know you're not going to be back the like, You're going to get fired. This is your job. You need to just sit here and work. So, Queenie was next level with it. Yeah. I really did try to. I had to give her the grace of being 25 because yeah. in my mid-30s, I can barely take Queenie. I was like, girl, this self-sabotage is next level. But yeah. Darcy's cool. She's a good friend. I do She like definitely Darcy. gives you white liberal vibes. So it's a couple times we had to snatch Darcy a little bit. And she was like, you right, you right, you right. Yes. It's Queen a couple times. had to get her together. Like, yeah, I was like, what, why would you ask that? Like, like what did he do wrong? When a black, exactly. Hmm. There was like a lot of reference to the Black Lives Matter movement. And in the book, they talked about Philandro, Philandro Castell. Castell. Mm-hmm. I probably said that wrong. No judgment. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, there was... I don't know if it was him or if it was another issue that happened where a black man was shot down the, by the police. And the first thing Darcy says is, well, what did he do wrong? She's like, that's the type of thinking we yeah. have to remove ourselves from. And there was a lot of um, I do like the way Carter Williams puts like the Black Lives Matter and contrasts it to the women's uh, march. Yeah. And um, the Me Too movement and how one is like more respected. And it's like this deep symbolic thing. And black lives are supposed to be divisive and you're ignoring everybody. And it shows up in the other bald head alpha guy she dates. And he just, they basically argue for like two hours. Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to say? Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, Darcy was cool. But it's rare you don't have to gather your white friends on race at times. And that's just the honest truth of it. And yeah, I think I she does really good about addressing like, yeah, you're white liberal, but you your views ain't always together. And I have to remind you. And even Cheska, like, look it up, girl. Don't be asking what all these words mean. And that was funny to me, where Cheska's like, go to Urban Dictionary if you don't know. And she really went. And she, she went. Like, well, this word's not there. Can you just tell me what it means? <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, girl, I made it up. I made it up myself. <laughs> but she was like, I, my job is not to teach you. And that was cool, too, because the reality is, often from white perspectives, the goal is for us to teach them about race. And if you decide to do that, that's fine. But my job is not to school you on all racial things. It's enough resources out there, and I do not have to do that. And I think that was a really subtle thing. So it's a lot of things Cardi Williams slides in, not necessarily that. Oh, my gosh, my brain just went blank. (laughs) It just went so blank. Not necessarily that Queenie's giving us, but they're just interwoven into the narrative itself, and it works out. It does. Yes, and then our last Corgi friend, Cheska. And she has to get you right together about her name. She's from Uganda. Um, Very idealistic figure, kind of slim, full bosom, just enough booty, beautiful dark skin. It made me sad, though, the conversation about, like, perming your hair. So I assume Queenie's natural now because she said up until 23, I burnt my hair with perms. And even Cheska's like, yeah, you know, my hair's short because I don't burn it out with these perms. I was like, but why are we still perming our hair? And you still going to put this weave in anyway. So yeah. it's interesting that conversations on like hair 
beauty, all those things are major parts internationally for black women. Mm-hmm. And even she talks about like how Queenie can date these white men because she's lighter, like she's too dark for them. Um, Cause Queenie's whole issue with black men is a whole thing that's like touched on, but then pulled away from. And that's really interesting too. So Cheska lives with the mom. She was like, you know, I'm African. Like, we don't move out till we get a mortgage and I can't afford no mortgage. So I'm just going to draw my life. She's going to wear the lubes. Yes. She's going to have her body kind. She's going to have this, I think they said Brazilian wet and wavy going on. And that's pretty much who she is. She had a very attractive man they both was feeling. She works at the bank, but she looks at who has the best bank account. She's like, girl, I can't take Thank on no debt. I said, oh, okay, sis. But then you went out with a man she who had money. And he took you to like the rundown. Was it like a Chinese food restaurant? It just, I tie something. Okay. And she it was, was a hole in the wall. Thank you. She was pressed about what they said. That he wanted to make her go. Yes. I was like, mm. she was like, but I got these shoes on and I'm not going to do that. So Cheska knows what she wants. She knows the man she wants. She's not settling. She was ready. She was ready. And pretty much her and Queenie's relationship was like, you could tell it's the black friendship because mm-hmm. she spends a lot of time like taking out her hair. And yes. I said, that was so authentic for me when she had that razor blade. I said, oh, baby, you cutting trash. Thank like, you, you cutting that that thread out your hair. So, that was interesting. But I like Cheska. She be ready. She I t- love Cheska. She told me, we can bring the black men over Come and on, show fam. them black lives. Like, okay, fam. What they call it? Bruv? Instead of bruv? Bruv? I don't know. She's like, bruv? <laughs> bruv? I was like, oh, so, that the bruv? audiobook, of course, authentically had somebody with like a English accent. I loved it. Yeah. Then they had, they even had like the Jamaican British accent. Oh, yes. Oh, she, yeah. she put out the Jamaican. I said, Come on, narrator. <laughs> she put out the Jamaican when the grandma came. Fresh. She, she, she came together. Fresh out. So that's pretty much the corgis. So let's talk about our guys. I guess we can start with Tom. So Tom is Queenie's boyfriend of a couple years. Yeah, like three Three, years. I think so, three. Um, White guy, obviously. A lot of their interactions are through her flashbacks, like we talked about. Yeah, there's very few real time. Yeah, there's some present day. Um, I think overall, Tom seems like... A pretty okay guy. Yeah, his family trash. Yeah. But Tom... He cared for Queenie. There's a lot of things that you can tell that Queenie kind of sabotaged pieces of their relationship where Tom attempted to be there for her and Queenie just didn't know how to accept that and pushed him away and he was kind of over it by the time they broke up. And I just have... So in those ways, I agree. But I don't have as much patience for Tom because you're not going to let your friend, your family be this raggedy to me and you quiet. The brother talking about her skin. And they was like, oh, yeah. white versus dark. Like white white shirts versus dark shirts. And she like knew something was about to happen. He's like, mm-mm, you dark. So. Yeah, it was like, yeah, you don't even really need a shirt because you yeah. already got the skin or something. And, and then what like, was oh. the uncle saying? Like the nigger in the closet? Something crazy. I don't know. But then the daddy was like, well, you can just be on my team. Yeah. And then the uncle, like, you literally used the word nigger and they were like, don't be sensitive, Queenie. Oh, like, yeah. And she like, had to blow up at the mom's birthday. Yes. Because she was like, running out and hit the mm-hmm. cake. And all Tom could focus on was the cake and being like, well, you know, my Instead uncle from a different time. on the fact that Queenie was offended and it and, shouldn't have happened. And the reality is everybody should be offended. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's like, mm, the complexity is interracial dating when your man is not woke to. Exactly. Because I'm not going to deal with the racist family. 
But in the same breath, Quinny still saw them as like an ideal family in some ways. Like, this is perfect. I've never had a insane. Christmas yeah. like this. I say, why, Quinny? Because you get gifts and it's a mom and a daddy. Like, what are these and she ideals? she talks a lot about they drunk. Like, they had alcohol at the party. Yeah. Because grandma was like over token, it. Like, church family. Yeah. Like, I was like, yes, there's no drinking at the family functions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so a lot of things around me are like my family's like, mm-mm-mm. Maybe the cousins snick something. But yeah. there's no open drinking. What the granddad had at one time a had like a heart palpitation. Yes. It was the end for me when they was Thank like, you. you know what I called it? That was sparkling water. And it started flailing. And the man came and was like, it's 5%. You're going to be okay. And then okay. he's like, I'm also a doctor. Thank you. Which was, I was, like, was so also you a lie. physician at one point and now you're the manager of the restaurant. I was confused. <laughs> like, it was all a lie. It's all a lie. Thank you. And it was like, you know that you make it. <laughs> they believe the doctor over anything. They just said, you're going to die to the drone to the cemetery. And that's what Quinn said. She was like, they could have pretty much told him anything. <laughs> And he and said he was a daughter, and that's all they needed to hear. And go to the bathroom. She was like, they're going to be fine. They're going to yeah. be fine. <laughs> wasn't even studying it. She was like, oh, okay. But it's well. Diana for me who's recording the whole thing. I'm cracking up at this point. <laughs> Diana's recording. The mom and the daddy flailing. The granddaddy drinking all this water and fanning himself with his hat. The grandma's in full panic attack. She's ready for somebody to call her Uber. <laughs> She's on the verge of not She's making Darcy read all of her med- meds you. and labels. Oh, God. To make sure that they're not about to die and the medication. She said, we're on so many meds. I said, this yeah, is so this sad. This interacts with our medication. I said, Lord, don't let me be the elderly person that's on 82 medicines. I'm I gotta like, do- not the 5%. That's like Birdie. <laughs> I was like, y'all not going to pass out off this Birdie. Birdie's like, like, what, you know, alcohol. Oh, God. That was so funny. That scene was so funny to me. Yeah, so Tom ends up with Anna. I, I don't know. The, Their the relationship, and yeah. So, and they knew him it. and Queenie like break up. You don't, you're not sure why. There's like a final fight that they have at that they kind of talk about in the middle, or the and end then Queenie the flashes back to like old fights, yeah. and you can see a lot of things she was kind of poking the bear. Like if I ruin this, then it won't fall apart on its own. Kind of how those self sabotaging moments she continuously has, where like I'm thinking. When I say y'all, I just knew Queenie was going to be raped in, at 13 in the corner somewhere. And she was like, no, I'm just afraid people leave me if they touch me. I was like, okay, this is too much. <laughs> like, don't hold my hand. Don't touch my shoulder. Yeah, don't touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> but then you're going to have this like random rough sex all the time. I was like, yeah. girl, I cannot with these displays of like poor affection. I was like, this is borderline autistic. Yeah, it was bad. Tom ends up. Being with, with the white girl. And they all was like, what well, we knew it. It was yeah. safer. It was more comfortable. Exactly. And so in some ways, we knew Tom was a nice guy, but he also couldn't handle the deeper issues that come with the complexities exactly. of race. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing. Real Megan and Harry in a sense of, Harry was like, look, I knew race was a thing, but I didn't know it was like this until I got but with now you. I got this black child and I yeah. can't go back. Yeah. And so the, it's those realities where like, I'm attracted to you. I get it. I think I understand race until I'm witnessing it firsthand yeah, and i'm seeing the way my family ready. responds he wasn't ready because he even the family kind of alluded to her being like aggressive and dramatic yeah and it was just all, all these stereotypes are exactly. like black femininity and being listened to or not being listened to mm-hmm. which are often things that show up we see even see that in the medical office like where your thoughts and ideas are being dismissed it's not a big deal. You're seen in all these things and so all these like multiple is like microaggressions and systemic racism pop up they all pop there. Let's keep going into these guys. Addy, I believe I'm saying his name right. Addy's a hot mess. A hot so mess. we get introduced to Addy early on. To- fresh yeah. at. 
So he's like I a neighbor. Thank you. This. I said, girl, this is low. And you he's a, been trying to talk to her for the longest. Every time he sees her, you he's a like crackhead to me. Making advances. You know the typical guy who's like, oh yeah, oh hey, what's up? I, you, you don't know it. Yeah, I do all. Well, he said you. like these Middle Eastern references to I like know. I'll do all this with this big booty. Yes. I like Ew. so she has some weak moment where i think it's around I'm drunk the, i just need affection i can't so sleep she, alone she falls for it sleeps with this man in his but car like calls him up yes first time i ever sleeping with somebody in the car in the car <sighs> it was horrible it was, yeah it was just it was nothing about it then was he's good. like bend over yes, i'm slapping your butt he's like i'm obsessed with these black women's butt like all these mm-hmm. men who are so objectifying to her body I was telling Brianna, remind me of like uh, Sarah Bartman, Hot and Top Venus, which is this African woman they basically take out of Africa, of course, uh, the Europeans. And they're so obsessed with her body, her labia, her butt, her breasts, that they put her on display. And there are pictures of like these white people like looking at like how voluptuous she mm-hmm. is, even the way her vagina is shaped. Um, essentially, when she dies, she's literally like sold to science, basically her parts at different museums scientific study i got so many of those vibes where these men are like obsessed like even a when black she, body and like literally the arse the black what did i just say the arse like i feel like a pirate i was oh, like oh is oh this God. their version of the word I guess. and they like immediately put their hands on her butt immediately everybody just it's hits her butt over sexualized so yes. you can tell she's very probably full figured kind of shorter which makes her even more so so I was like, yes, modern day Sarah Bartman in England. So then Addie ends up being married. Okay. So there's almost like a Baby, street it's, fight. It's when the <laughs> wife say, I know that's her. And she Thank had you. audacity. She said, you got like, big old, them big old panties in your um, glove compartment. And I was like, ooh, not ooh. the big panties. Because she said, I'm going to the gym. This is what you want. I'll be at the gym. Thank ooh. you. I say, but won't but a man you want have this big you? woman? She said, won't a man have you starving yourself thinking I got to be there? So that was a whole conversation itself. Yeah. Like these ideas of like what you're doing for your man. Girl, he don't even want that. And then Addie's like, I not her. Why would I be with her? I want She's you. So, thank you. And then I like, completely demeaned her. Yes. But Queen, you was wrong for putting them panties in that glove compartment anyway. That was low I think key. She Patty. just left him in the car. And he just put him in the glove compartment. No, she threw I him in there. You, oh, she did. I know. I I told you I let somebody use my car. This is Addie. Okay, I say if this I is like, not the hustler story. I said, man. And she got a face beat, big hair. I was like, what was his hair doing? Because she talked about like how big her hair was. But that was a mess. Queenie's moments of like blow up were ridiculous. Between Guy, Addie, Tom. Did she catch, catch almost everybody with a man? Everybody had, I'm not, I'm sorry, with the woman. Every mm-hmm. single man had somebody else on the side. Yep. I was like, what everybody. is this whole concept of like adultery? And she didn't meet anybody that wound up not being in a relationship. Yeah. Even Tom, at the end, you weren't just like, Queen, I don't want to be with you. I moved on to a healthy space. You had a whole woman sleeping in your t shirt mm-hmm. and like, Kind of how Cheska was like, no, y'all go together. Like, y'all not sleeping together. Like, that's your whole girlfriend. You in a whole nother yeah. situation. So, like, she had all these relationships. She's like, nobody wants to be in a relationship with me. So, that was, like, stupid sad. Can we get into Ted Tweed Glasses? Ted. Who we kind of was rooting for. I was like, Ted we might were. be cute. We were. He got Until. a little weird. Uh, to me, he started getting a little touchy-feely with, with some flags started going. But then it was like... It started getting weird, like at that park moment. What did they like make out? He was like rubbing her in the park, and she was like, "Okay, don't get clingy and weird." Yeah, and then there was the random holiday. Like everybody was on holiday, and they had 
the bathroom sex at the job. Yeah. Then he was like, these three pumps, I'm oh done. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> like, how disappointing. And then and she he like, carried on, too. Like, he was going to really let down. And she's down like, oh, it's big. Yeah. <laughs> like, girl. She's like, I only been able to say that twice. Because first of all, all these men who wanted them to stroke, who wanted her to stroke their ego, like, say it's big and that yeah. you love it. I was like, oh, so many problems in here. It's so many issues of, like, patriarchy and sexuality. First of all, Queenie's like cocked up, has her tights like around her ankles. It's this awkward position. I just like, I wasn't even ready for this book to be what it was. Yes. And then it was over and he like ran away. But like ran away at that moment. But, and we don't know. We're thinking, oh, well, maybe she thought maybe he was like on sick leave. (laughs) (laughs) Only for her to like see him. And she was like, well, what's up? And he was like that to the point he drops his cup. Yeah. Who drops a whole mug at work? And I'm like, you wanted this. But you know I work with you. Why are you carrying on like I showed up to your house? Like, why are you up here? I'm like, <laughs> it's a like, whole oh, office. I work here. It's a whole office. He was like freaked out like she had came off the street to find him at the job. I'm like, y'all working the same. We're on a different building. floor. Thank you. That's the only difference. Why did you come up here? He was freaking out. We don't really know why. Then we later found out he has a whole pregnant girlfriend or wife, whatever. And had to have recently got married because they asked him about the honeymoon. Nobody asked you about your honeymoon a thousand years later. Thank you. Fresh out. So he ends up filing charges. Oh, baby, this and was like this entire baby, this sexual was white privilege at its best. Yes, because his father apparently does something at, either at that paper or. Uh, no, that was an intern. That was oh, an intern because okay, she was yeah, supposed yeah. to be. That was Chuck. She was supposed to be looking out, and Chuck really liked her. And she was supposed to be managing him. Queenie just was all over the place. She just was dissolving slowly and could not snatch her life. Yeah, so she ends up on, like, leave for, I want to say, like, a month. For like a month. sexual harassment thing. And that's when she finally was able to find therapy. Yes. Start to find so some like, semblance like of togetherness. Because two weeks, I think her boss felt sorry for her. So there was a two-week period where. Yeah. Gina, can we talk about Gina? She was. She. I don't know how to quite pin Gina. Me neither. And I still don't think I liked her at the end. I think she tried to come around in the book. Like Candy I tried think to make Gina's her one of those better. people. She's kind of like moderate in a sense of, I realize there are issues. But I Everybody have to do issues. what is the right thing to do. I have to do what um, and like when, everyone. When Queenie would talk about certain issues, she's like, mm, you might want to change your tone on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you rephrase this? Yeah. So like in one way as an editor... And when you start thinking about like rhetoric and persuasion, if you come off combative line one, you're only going to target the people that agree with you. And so you have to be able to do it in a way that's going to so slowly pull in people. They don't even realize they're being persuaded. So like I got that portion, but when I'm just talking to you, acknowledge what I'm saying that it's valid. And then we can talk about the writing of it. <sighs> yeah, because there was the meeting where she brought up okay. the Black Lives Matter and she kind of looked to the boss for some type of validation. So Gina was like, this she is your moment. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah, did girl. not give it. Gina's said, like, now I put my life on the line. Thank you. And it was quickly shot down. Quickly. By the, you know, they talking about like the white men. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, what about the Asian lies and the Latin lies? Yeah. I was like, sir, that is not the conversation that's being had. Yeah. And then I was like, it's so relatable to what we have to talk about now. The, the feeling that <laughs> The Black Lives Matter movement has anything to do with the saying other lives don't matter and the it's fact completely that that has asinine. to be explained is crazy. And, and the crazy part is, even when you talk about Me Too, even people that don't agree, they're not like, what about the man? Yeah, like, I mean, exactly. you have some people that say that, don't get me wrong, because there's always going to be like some... <sighs> 
I don't know. <laughs> There's always one person that's like, the men are struggling and the women be harassing us too. We were like, okay, but we're not saying rare. it can't be, yeah. but let's be honest. The average man on their day-to-day is usually not worried about sexual harassment at their job the mm-hmm. way a woman is or being taken seriously for a promotion or for a move up. If anything, men in all women's spaces often have a sense of privilege because women are still taught to cater to men. Acknowledge that. We're not saying it doesn't happen. And there are not moments where, you know, anybody can be sexually harassed. However, stop. But the way that Black Lives Matter have to argue is not the same way that the Me Too movement has to argue. And Me Too is still centered around a white female gaze. Let's be straight up. All women aren't created equal in Me Too. It sounds good, but the voice of Me Too is still the white middle upper class woman. But I could go all day on that. I'm going to keep going. All right. So where else are we going with this book? Because a lot happened in here. So let's talk about some of the themes of the book. There were so many. It's so many things. We will only touch on a couple. So we know March is Women's History Month. We pick Queenie. It's so many things that pop up. It's colorism. Queenie's descriptions of everybody are so vivid when it comes to like color and eye color you know these are things that really stand out to her even her own mom Mm -hmm. and it's like this idea that the mom like pulled out this like light-skinned heritage from somewhere because even a granddad was kind of looking at the grandma's side was like who baby exactly like she has hazel eyes she's very loose loose curl i was like let me find out the mama really the grandma really told the story and that was what's the name baby it's probably her daddy that might be the the daddy she loved this whole time Thank a you. Whole life. I was like, the grandma said she loved this man <laughs> because I feel like it's so she sad had already had kind of stories. It is because remember that was Maggie, the granddaddy. She had already got pregnant with Maggie, right? And then she's like, a year later, I had your mama. Yeah, I said, let me find out that that was that other man, baby. Yes, but let that grandma be happy. That is probably her daddy. <laughs> but that's yeah. how she had to tell the story. Thank you. Because the granddaddy was looking at her sideways. Oh, so, well, that's just the way of the world. You know, back in the day, you couldn't test them. You just had to keep loving everybody. Exactly. It. You you didn't get to marry for love. You just had to do it with the right thing. Yeah, was, and... that's pretty much. So the grandma was secretly pressed. So we had like issues of colonialism. We have, um, you know, England, of course, as a colonizer, you have Cheska, who is Ugandan, African and Africa. You have Jamaicans in Africa and this idea of being in the mother country and like the oppression. Every space seems so white. Gentrification is a big thing. Queenie doesn't recognize her neighborhood. Interracial dating is a thing. Interracial dating. So let's talk about that. So Queenie has no... I don't think she's ever dated a black guy. I, and there's like no recollection of that. And that's yeah. what really bothered me. So these men are like dogging you. It's like the ancestors are crying out from the grave. Exactly. Like, girl, are you and letting these white men says, bend you I over? She something in the book about like, she's like afraid. Like fearful. She's like, I'm afraid of, you know, I'm, how I feel about black men. I'm afraid that they won't like me. Yeah. And so this is the idea of like, almost essentially, they're calling her like almost an Oreo. Like you black exactly. on the outside, but you sound like the white girl. You seem to connect more with white spaces. Yeah, you Jamaican, but outside of that being your family, you're not mm-hmm. really connected. It seems very much to the culture. And it seems like I feel like many black women in these spaces where you have to assimilate more to that, find more connections with European spaces and are afraid of how their own people will perceive them. Yeah, so there's this it's like these talk about where she things. sees the other black guy at the party. Yeah. And she said every time he sees her, he acts like he doesn't know her. Because he wants to like be completely <laughs> exactly. disassociated with race. 
And he's like this prize. She's like, come on, we're the only two black people here. Like, we, you clearly see you me. You know me. <laughs> we done made at all the parties. And so it's like this whole thing. She's like, okay, stop trying to act like you don't know me. It's almost like she, him seeing her as a reminder that he's black and he doesn't exactly. want to be reminded. And he doesn't want to associate with the only other black person there to look like, oh, look at the blacks huddled up. Pretty much. And even he has like this white woman and she's like, he sees her as a trophy. Mm-hmm. So even though Queenie dates white men, it's still not in the sense of, I didn't get the feel that she sees him as better. I think she just felt like they understood and having to explain or having questions of like being black enough, maybe were conversations yeah. she frequently had in the community mm-hmm. and that was the bother for her. Yeah. Because all the men she dated in the book were su- like super over-sexualized her. It was all about was the way horrible. she looked. I was like, all about this is her a slave auction. Obsessed with her butt. Obsessed. Oh, the black, black women. Oh, but everybody wanted from the back. Yes. This anal rape, essentially, for me. Yeah, even through the apps. I think it was like the OK Cupid app. Okay. It's like all these men would like. I was like, is this the reality for you? I don't know. I was like, what is this energy that you're putting out that people are? I was like, I don't You know. scream low self-esteem. <laughs> like, because everybody she met was like, let's do it right now. She meets the guy OK Cupid after she's gone through therapy. They go on this date and he tries to take her back immediately. Immediately. And that's the guy that she ends up having this like two hour dialogue. And it's this assumption too, that it's going to be easy for a black woman. It's Mm -hmm. easy. It's exoticized. It's a quick lay. Um, It reminds me of those conversations where businessmen go to like Caribbean countries and stuff, Latin countries, and like literally go to, they have like sex and really think they're helping the women by paying them. Well, like, you know, they needed a better way. So I gave them these $50 I'm actually supporting their life. Like, and it is kind of crazy to me that Queenie. So I, sometimes I associate people who choose to interracially date like, Oh, okay. Maybe they don't so strongly identify as being black. Not obviously they're black, but I do sometimes think that people who only date white men, black women who only date white men may not, I guess may not, see themselves in some of the issues that go on in the yeah. black world. And I felt like Queenie so much identified with like the black lives matter movement. And she understood that as a black that's woman, what, it that's was what made it kind of weird. Her. That's what I, that's why I was shocked. Like, many black women, if you are going to date interracial or, you know, they're usually woke too. Exactly. I was like, how you, how are you this aware? And literally with these men who treat you like yeah. property. So that was, that was weird. shocking to me. I was like most. I was like, but you realize you're black and you understand that. And you understand, you understand the, the plight struggle. of the black woman. And you. Only for you to have people. To do these things. Yeah. So she was complex. Uh, yeah. She was a conundrum. And in I don't know that the sense. interracial dating thing was ever fully. So at the end of the book. It wasn't really she, fleshed out. It, it was Because even that moment, like how I feel about black men, that was one line. I was like, whoa. And there was never any like that. Reconciling of that. to that any deeper. And that was deep. Mm-hmm. That was super deep. Mm-hmm. Like I'm aware of blackness. I can have this conversation, articulate it, talk about how reverse racism is not a thing. These are these deep systemic things. And that's why I said this is almost like it became less. Queenie's voice and more Cardi Williams' narrator voice because yeah. I was like, there's no way that Queenie's truly articulating this because it doesn't play out in the rest of her life. It doesn't. There's no way you are aware of all this. It's really not. Have these white men <laughs> like crawl over you. It's not. Basically addressed. rape you. And then yeah, it, was rape. it was so rapey. Like when the guy knows, like when they all come in with a team, like <clears throat> you need to go to counseling. 
So the guy knows the one who refers her to counseling because they're just it's like, that bad. You're coming in every other week for STD testing. And you're not even using protection. I was like, is it not a thing in Europe? Yeah. I was like, is this my American make complex? It like a joke. She's like, oh yeah, I try, but I don't always do it. And you're not even like passionately feeling it. They're just pulling it out. You're literally letting like ejaculate into your body. I'm just like, this is so problematic. It is. It was so much. I was like, so you, you know, I just couldn't believe she kept having unprotected sex. Queenie was. It was a lot. It was hard for me to deal with Queenie on so many levels because I was like, girl, I know you young and I can get that same stuff. 25 ain't that young. It ain't that young. You're not 12. And I was like, you open with a miscarriage and I was like, so is this just my self hate? It was weird, like you said, it being is. disaware of the black experience and then being completely unaware in your own personal. <sighs> I don't know. What's our next theme? All right, so mental health is a thing. Um, yeah, so there were so many mental health there issues. There was. I was glad she went to therapy because I was like, Queen didn't go to therapy. So this book, glad. I'm throwing the book away. So the gynecologist <laughs> was like, You need to do this. So at first, she's completely opposed to it. And I think some of her opposition is the fact that she knows her family won't accept her going to counseling. Yes, because the grandma. Yeah, it was like, you don't need to go. If you might you embarrass go, his family. Yeah. I say, yes, old school. Thank you. She's like, well, everybody has issues, yada, yada, squatter. Yes, so, the granddaddy that had to put his final word. Like, exactly. we got to from, learn from the young people, let her go. Yes. So I think Jackie was her therapist. I might have made her name up. But what's the therapist? She, Janet. Um, Janet. Jay something, Jackie <laughs> Janet. But she has a good time at therapy. And I think it's and not one of those. I think like, when she went back, because Janet had to write her that letter. Yeah. It was oh, like, yeah. come back. So she refused after the first time. She She's was like, like closed do off, that. angry. Yeah, Janet wrote her letter like, therapy look, we can do you have to be whatever ready. you want to do it. Just come. We'll talk. So Queenie goes back. I think there is some progress. But I do think these debilitating panic attacks that she starts having at the end of the book really put her in a space of like, girl, get it together. You can't function like this. So I think but that was also a driving force. Yeah. And her going to therapy. And like this. And I think it was so many. We talk about Roy being abusive, but the trauma of Roy is not addressed enough because the paralysis is always like, isn't it like a black man she sees or like a dark shadow, like blackness hovering over her, like mm-hmm. crawling out of the corner. She can't oh, yeah, move. Sleep paralysis. Yeah. It's bad. And it's always like a dark image, a black mm-hmm. body type situation. And so this fear of black men, I think is layered. There is, of course, cultural, you know, fitting in, which is a whole conversation on being black enough. Yeah. And we see that being a clearly a global conversation that happens in the States. Mm-hmm. The way you speak, do you fit in? Do my people understand me? But there's a real trauma there. And I don't think they dig enough into Roy and how that has made Queenie fearful of the black, black male men, experience. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of that spills over into yes, that. because there's not really positive black male relationships in her life. At all. I mean, the so, granddad is consistent, but... He's not like this. Yeah. I mean, at the end, they trying he to reconcile okay, it. Yeah. He he's shed like, a tear. Yeah. Know, he's like, yeah, oh, you, okay. and you was going to be strong. and yeah. you to be like your mama. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, you made it. He I'm said, I don't really eat. talk, but I'll be here. Thank you. I was like, oh, yes, I you are the talking granddaddy, bad, granddaddy in the back room. Lord, help the black man help in the back room that don't talk. And the yeah, grandma got to run it. Thank you. And just be grumpy. It won't help do everything. 
Oh yeah, because when she left, Queenie was like, "Yeah, I'm. I know he glad, so he can get my grandma attention back." I said, "Okay, that's all oh, he you just want. wants somebody to be there because clean and pay him." Out. And the grandma really ain't didn't want her to go. Like you ain't ready. I was like, "Okay, grandma." And the grandma ain't want her to go. Yeah, pretty much. But pretty much, let's see. Yeah, at the end, are we content in where Queenie is? Like the mental health aspect of it because at first i was like so she gonna still kind of be real raggedy to the last page yeah because she even reminisced on tom in the last okay. chapter so i was like, like this is oh what we're doing God, we're still here we're why are we still, still here? here but i think it's realistic i mean it was her longest relationship she i think she never you know sometimes if you're done wrong you can get over things a little faster because you're like well this yeah. person did this i still don't think she realizes the issues the real issues that went on with her and tom I think she blames herself for a lot of it. She did. For being shut down and closed off. And so I think that's some of her lingering with Tom because she's kind of like, well, I could have done this and I could have been this way and I could have done this and it would have been different. So I think it's realistic. You don't get over somebody you've been with in three years and two months. And especially because she hung on for so long and it wasn't to the end that she was like, oh, my God, this is over. He's with somebody else. Q panic attack. First of all, when she went and had that conversation and told him all her tea and her business, like, yeah, I had this crazy sex. I was confused. <laughs> She's like, I'm I don't like, know why I'm saying this. Is this how you this? think you're going to get him back? And then he was looking I've angry. i had sex with so many men. <laughs> and I realized, and I realized I'm not who I am without you. you. I was like, he's like, okay. Something wrong with you. Yeah. Something really wrong with you, Queenie. It was. You, you special. You good and special. But I think it was realistic. I mean, it I was. think she was like getting into herself. It was, was frustrating, therapy. I think, yeah. because we're used to the very American quick wrap up ending mm-hmm. fairy tale. Cinderella got her prince. Tyler Perry, I got my new man. Yeah. All is better. I got over all of the issues of my past. Yeah. But we start thinking about like panic attacks, extremely low self esteem. You do not magically get better in two months. And that stuff takes time. It and does. Unless she would have flashed forward. None of that right. would have happened in a month. And I think, so that that became fair, even though I wanted her to be like, I said, oh, we're going to end at like this. But I think the family conversation wraps up, though, mm-hmm. in the sense of she realizes, like, these are the people that love and support me. Exactly. Um, Get over it. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we quirky and different, but, like, these are the people that's been riding with you. Yeah. Not Tom, who you couldn't even tell that you had a miscarriage. Family. That was a thing. And was never told. He She was like, he's not going to care. Yeah, so much. that's and a real like, thing. I'd rather not tell him than me tell him and him basically be like, okay, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, so that that's the thing. Yeah, The fact that you can go through therapy and still realize that this person doesn't need to know. Yeah. So I guess my last thing, the medical health disparities that are brought up. First of all, when they kept asking her, well, her partner's from Africa. <laughs> because she wanted like it to have HIV. Problem. It was an issue. I was like, are this the healthcare? Yeah. So like the not being listened to, the like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. The I was like, ugh. God. Yes, and it was, I think they made it very, like, they made the issues very obvious. So they came in, they were very judgmental of her. Very. They came in and were kind of like, oh my God, you're here again. This is an issue. And so I think as me being in the healthcare field, um, I think it happens. I think it would be ridiculous to say there isn't some judgment, but also being on the other end of it, I do think that there's a lot less judgment than people think. I think people have this preconceived thing like, oh, my God, I can't tell my doctor everything because they'll judge me. And I'm like, if people knew what we heard every day (laughs) and how much we don't judge and don't care, like 
your doctor is not going to is not the police officer. They can't arrest you. You know what I mean? Be honest about your drug history, please. Be honest <laughs> about your sexual partner history. Be honest about other things. It's like we just need to know because things that we're going to do may be different. But I honest, but you know, and her full disclosure. Just, yeah. But they just were saying stuff that was overtly like I'm like you just going to say this out loud to the exactly. people. Exactly. And I do think Things like the way that they told her about the miscarriage. Those are realistic things. And I think as a healthcare professional, you forget that every patient is a new experience. You just get used to saying the same things every day. Yeah, I was right? like, they won't look at her eyes. Exactly. And so you forget that every patient is different. Every news, every diagnosis, every whatever is a new experience for each person. And then I think, too... I think we have to acknowledge, too, that it's often perceived that black women are stronger and can handle it. Exactly. And so a lot of times the care that you would take for a white woman is like, okay, I got to tell you this. It's like, she good, she strong. You know, they built different. And that's definitely an issue. That, you know, we're going to be good. So it was a lot of different things. There's so many issues issues, in this book. We could go on and on. Um, We thank you for joining us in this kind of introductory conversation Mm -hmm. to Queenie. We could talk about Queenie for Queenie two days. is layered. You hear what I say to you? Layered. We've talked about layered. two themes <laughs> and characters, and we are like an hour plus in. So this is what I'm saying. Like Queenie, Queenie was deep. Once you actually finish Queenie, like okay, and but Queenie, Queenie wasn't gets, as I thought it was more of a comedy. It got it was, it was not it was a little like when we started God. talking about Roy. I was like, oh my god, this is deep. Yeah, Roy like broke the mama nose, like her whole jaw. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I did jaw. say something every time, yeah, and I like, smashed her face in this plate. So yeah. Queenie would make these jokes, but it was like her coping mechanism. Exactly, but it really wasn't funny. Even the really friends sad. was like. The friends was definitely on some, yeah, we're liberated sexually. And they, even they was like, Queenie, get your life. Thank you. Like, they were concerned. Like, you all right? It was just <laughs> a lot. She would go back and forth in the group chat and they'd be like, oh, my God, it's something else. It's it was like, you, you had sex. Well, you didn't like him. Are you even enjoying it? She would even lie to her friends. Like, I enjoyed it. And they'd be like, no, you didn't, sis. Exactly. No, you didn't. All right. So, Queenie was good. Queenie was good. It was a lot more fast-paced, a lot of drama. I think, like, I Brittany... Yeah. Said this is a three and a half star for me. Yeah, it's a three and a half star. Maybe I'm just in different places. It's really hard. It's really hard for me to relive these emotions with her. And I think because of the interracial layers and the power plays, the racial issues and implications, it just makes it so much deeper. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I feel multiple ways. I think Oof. there would have been opportunity for her to dig a little bit deeper into some of the themes that she introduced. Yeah, but at the same time, I realize that. As a realistic book, you don't always get to deal with things yeah. that quickly. And left so, there for good conversation. Yeah. So, Candace Cardi Williams, this is actually her first book. First oh. book. So, she's a columnist. Come she's on, an Queenie. editor. But this is her first book. She actually has her second book coming out, like, next week. April 1st is release date. It's called People Person. Oh. Um, so, it should Read be that when it comes out. good and notable. She is Jamaican British. Um, I believe her mom is Jamaican Indian, I believe. And um, so a lot of these are experiences she's had, her friends, exposure. Um, so very interesting, great writer, great first read. It's I can see why people are upset about the book. I can see why people kind of love the book. And then I'm also aware that cultural context plays a lot into it. There are certain things as Americans. I had to kind of look up like, oh, what? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, you know, and just the way certain things are seen, culture just plays so much into our understanding. So I can't complain too much about Candace. But yes, yeah, so I would definitely say this 3.5 just for pacing. 
but it was hard to kind of consume. Like Kawana Jackson's book, the pacing was slower, but it was easier to deal with certain things. Queenie was like, I just wanted to shake her like, girl. Yeah. But at the same token, as much as I had issue with Queenie, it is not like we don't know people. That's just that as problematic. Queenie. Exactly. And even if it's not interracial, it's like, girl, you all over the place and you looking for love in all the wrong places. All right. So next week, let's talk about next month. I'm sorry. Yep. Let's do it. So next month we are reading. All right. Soldier. Come on, y'all. We've been waiting. <laughs> like the applause. <laughs> so I don't know if y'all remember Coldest Winter ever. This has been super anticipated people been ready for it came out early in the month um so we are going back into winter remember winter is locked up at the end of coldest winter ever it's literally been 15 years sister soldier is so intentional about her novel she waited 15 years the same amount of time that winter got for going to jail y'all so this is life after death and in the meantime remember sister soldier had wrote some books about midnight who we all loved and followed his story and so now winter is getting out of jail Okay, so this is a big deal. Kind of how we talked about before um, in audiobooks, it's often hard to find black narrators, um, even when they're being black stories are being told. It's kind of some of the issues Brianna brought up last time when we read, read uh, Real Men Knit. So Nia Long is actually going to be, um, she narrates this for those who are going to do the audiobook. I'll be reading the traditional book. And then our wine, we are coming down to the bottom where we are. Three by Wade is Rose, Dwayne Wade, um, the basketball or former NBA player. He has a wine collection and we are going to sip on his Rose. And that's pretty much where we are. Any final moments? Thoughts, no. Ideas? So read Queenie if you have not. I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, yeah. I give it a 3.7. Wasn't the best book I ever read, but I do think it holds your attention. And I think if you're into a little drama, you'll love it. Yeah. I think it just makes you sad. I think when you're in healthy spaces, to read about somebody in such an unhealthy space makes you just sad. It just reminds you like, oh, God, thank you, Lord, mm-hmm. that I'm in a better space. Some, some, some of the anti-God stuff we didn't really get into. Yeah. Queenie was so, like, against church. She's like, I ain't going to church. I was like, oh, Queenie, you might need to talk to the Lord. So yeah, that was and an I think interesting some of that conversation. Just came from her family dynamics. Yeah. So those were that that torn between. I was like, oh, you all the way. Like, you ain't even bring Jesus with you. Okay, Queenie. So but yeah. support Candace. Read her support second her. book. And get ready for next month. Yes. Yeah, so we're coming back to the States. We're going up to New York. We're going back to New York. Um, Y'all, this book is kind of long. So start now. Start now. Be ready. But let me tell you about Sister Soldier. She going to give you the real tea. You hear what I say? You going straight to the streets because Winter has done some hard time. Maybe some hard time for some good uh, fed time. She done got sliced up. Remember the end of the last book. So you might need to go and do a little synopsis of Coldest Winter Ever. Yeah. It's worth the read. Coldest Winter Ever changed my life when I finally read it in college. I had to sit and reflect on life because I just ain't know the drug game was like that in the 80s. Oh, okay. Midnight made everybody want to love on him. So, Yeah. So we're excited. We know you're going to enjoy us. Hope you've been enjoying our podcast so far. And this a wrap? It's a wrap? It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Books and bubbles. We'll see y'all next month. All Bye. right. Signing out. Deuce.